This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports, as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. Welcome back to the Dog Check Podcast. I'm your Adam here to cover all things Dog Pounder in Cleveland for you guys, except for today. We have a special guest on, Isaac Young. He's a, I'm not going to tell you who he's a fan of yet, but we're going to talk about them. They're a respected franchise. Uh, they're actually a respected franchise in the world, not just in the sport of football. Um, they've about this, this team, if that gives it away enough. And we're just going to kind of talk how the the Browns can get to a level that um, that feeds into that. So, before we do that, I just want to uh, upgrade, update you guys. We are still go- doing a t-shirt giveaway at 800 followers. We're at 508 right now. Guys, the t-shirts are going to be awesome. I have someone designing a Denzel shirt that has to do with his new nickname, The Warden. I've actually got my dad designing a really cool Miles Garrett shirt right now. He started it yesterday. He's a Almost done with the final draft. That's my favorite shirt so far. And then third shirt so far, um, I think I have an idea. I don't I don't I don't wanna for sure it yet. But uh guys, the shirts are gonna be really affordable. And the best part is proceeds are gonna go to charity. Uh the ward one, the Denzel Ward shirt is going to go to, to make them know your name. That's his Heart Health Awareness Association. He started because his dad passed away when he's in that was his football coach, his best friend. So it's a really good cause. And then Miles Garrett shirt. Those proceeds are actually going to go to a uh, veteran charity. I don't know which one I me pick, but my dad's a veteran for you, those of you who don't know. And since he's drawing the picture and he's the reason I'm a Browns fan, I thought, hey, I'll let you pick the veteran charity of your choice. Um, and also in these shirt orders, if you do order them, there's going to be a nice little rubber bracelet in there. It says Dog Check Podcast. And those will also be available to buy for only $1 a piece. But so a lot of exciting things uh, happening here. You know, by the time the Brown season starts up, going to be a lot of things going on. But yeah, so, so thank you for listening. If you're on Apple or iTunes, give that five star rating review. It helps people find this show and it means a lot to me. But I'm going to go ahead. And turn it over to Isaac Young, and he's going to kind of talk about uh, why he's on here. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Isaac Young. Um, so to kind of touch on how I became a Patriots fan, because I know there's some people out there that's probably going to, you know, be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, see, here we go. Uh, uh, talking the bandwagon stuff. That's not how this actually works. So. Back, it would have been the 2000 season. I would have been six years old at the time. Uh, I used to go spend the weekend with my grandparents, and my grandpa was a diehard Colts fan. I don't know why, but he was. Uh, 
And he looked at me, you know, we'd go to church on Sundays and then we'd come back and, you know, we'd get back in time for the one o'clock game and, you know, whoever was playing. Because at that point in time, for you younger crowd there, uh, there was no Sunday ticket. So uh, we would go watch it on CBS Sports and it happened to be the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots are playing. So he looks at me and goes, well, bud, I think it's time for you to pick a team. He goes, you're going to come over and be a. A Colts fan? I'm like, no, not becoming a Colts fan. And so he goes, well, are you going to be a Bengals fan like your uncle? No, I'm not being hmm. a Bengals fan. Absolutely not. Good choice there. And so he's like, well, are you going to be a Browns fan like your other uncle? I'm like, no, I don't want to be a Browns fan. Sorry to all you Browns fans. And What he's the like, hell? You had a chance? You had a choice? I, I did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go on. And so uh, – <laughs> So he goes, well, pick a team around us. He's like, then become a Detroit Lions fan. I said, I am not rooting for the Lions. Absolutely not. And so Miami was on it, and I have an aunt of mine that's a Miami Dolphins fan. And he's like, well, become a Dolphins fan. I said, I'm not rooting for the same team that Nikki roots for. And he goes, well, then you got to pick one. He's like, give me something. And so I'm like, I don't know. He said, well, how about we make a bet? I'm like, okay, what's that? He's like, Whoever wins this game today is who you're going to root for. He goes, you don't want to root for anybody that anybody else does. So root for the team whoever wins. Now, mind you, I think at the beginning of this game, Miami was up. It was like 17 to 7 or something going into the third quarter. The Patriots end up pulling it off and winning the game. And there's the storybook on how I became a Patriots fan. And Man, uh, you were close to being in a pit of misery with the Dolphins there. I was. I was very close. And it just happened to be. So if you go back to 2000, that would have been, by my memory serves me correctly, that would have been Chad Pennington as their quarterback. It was actually a good year Miami had had. And uh, I know maybe some people might remember this guy. His name was Drew Bledsoe. He was a quarterback for the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, so I was pre Tom Brady, though only a year, but I was pre Tom Brady Patriots fan. Wow. But I will say T B twelve, he holds my heart. He's my favorite player of all time. Uh, he's not my my favorite player of all time. That's Joe Thomas, but uh yeah, Patriots they it was for me that I decided like, wow, these 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 over there in New England, and I was telling Isaac before we hopped on that my love for the Patriots, and yes, I can like the Browns and the Patriots, but let's be honest, the Patriots are getting close to handing off that torch, and the Browns are close to chasing, they're chasing that torch, and the Patriots are losing it, but as of last year, the Browns weren't in the playoffs, the Patriots were, and my dad despises the Patriots, he hates Tom Brady, uh, we're sitting on the living living room we were cussing each other out having screaming matches my mom came out and yelled at us because i wanted tom brady and the pats to win because they deserved it and when grant caught that touchdown i just started freaking out i was i was pushing him i was telling i saying a lot of words i can't say right now and so i i'm not on patriots i don't watch them every week but i respect the hell out of what they've done yeah um to say I am a Patriots fan would be an understatement. 
until I moved into my new house, if you walked into my living room, people might have thought it was a shrine to Tom Brady. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. You. Uh, when we moved into the to the house I live in now, um, my girlfriend Reagan had said uh, the Patriots stuff gets boxed up until you get your own room. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, honey. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a diehard. Um, talking about you, you just touched on the whole grunt catch there. Um, yeah, it was a sad day, but I saw it coming when he retired. And a lot of people, I think, you know, when they look at the Patriots, they're going to see a team that has been able to manufacture talent that you don't necessarily always see coming out of the draft or, you know, like take, for example, like a Wes Welker coming from Miami. He was, you know, the third best wide receiver on that squad. And we turned him into a a stud number one slot. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with like Rob Gronkowski. A lot of people don't know was a second round pick and he was actually picked after Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez, not a bright note for the Patriots, but he was the, the higher pick. Um, Aaron had came from that two-time championship Florida team, and Rob had come from Arizona State. Rob Rob Gronkowski, a lot of people don't know this. So when he was drafted by the Patriots, he was a more blocking tight end than he was a receiver. The Patriots worked with him to become what he is today. He was was not the refined route-running big tight end deep down the middle or running the sidelines like he has done the last couple of years that – he was a blocker. He was a run blocker. You could see in those plays, there was not a better block there was a blocker for the Patriots, linemen or not. I know Trent Brown went and got his money with the Raiders. That's because they needed players. Trent Brown's a great player. I mean, he's an okay player. He's not worth the money. Rob Gronkowski was the best blocker in that game, maybe outside of sports for the Chiefs. In that Chiefs-Patriots game, though, you saw Rob Gronkowski take over as a blocker. And then in that fourth quarter, when he made that catch, that's that's what you're talking about with the refinement. They took a they took one of the best blocking tight ends to ever play the game of NFL, and he made they made him the best tight end in NFL. I mean, it's amazing what they can do. Yeah, yeah, and like and going back to that, so I know a lot of people probably. Did not watch a lot of Patriots games, but I I watched every single game. And this last year that they played, Rob turned himself back into the early Rob Gronkowski with the block going back to the blocking stuff, just because he didn't have the breakaway speed that he had before. And you know, I I think I think for most of the season, this is my opinion. I I never did read anything on this. I think he was seriously having some more back issues until they got that week by going into the playoffs. And you kind of saw a rejuvenated Rob Gronkowski. But, uh, yeah, his last year was not a glorious year for him. You know, he didn't go down. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl. But he didn't go down putting up the huge stat line that you would saw, you know, the 15 touchdowns that he had in, I think, 2012 or 14. Or uh, actually, I think it was 15. Uh, it you know it was nothing like that. It was more they had a need. Well, for one, the Patriots have transformed themselves into more of a running team than a passing team, but they had a need to have a bo- good blocking tight end, and that's what Rob did. I mean, uh, yeah. for 
all the glory he gets, a lot of people don't realize how much of a team player that guy is. And, you know, another little insight on Rob Gronkowski. <clears throat> Last year, before this season, there was talks of trading him, and Rob had said, if you trade me, I will retire because I don't only catch passes from Tom Brady. Now, that, that gives a lot of confidence in your quarterback right there to throw it to you late in the game. Just that yeah. little remark. Most definitely. And you know, if any if anybody's ever watched the Patriots and you know anything about Tom Brady, Tom Brady's not going to throw it to you if he don't trust you. Yeah, I've watched time and time again Brady take big sacks late in a game because he doesn't trust these wide receivers out there to catch the ball. So, yeah, like you're saying with Rob, yeah, he, he totally trusts him. But touching on a little bit of that, so I kind of want to ask you what your thoughts on this is. And I, I know we're doing heavy Patriots, and we'll we'll get into the Brown stuff. But uh, what do you think of the trade talks of Kyle Rudolph coming over to the Patriots? And, and where do you, how do you think that would fit in from what you've watched? And then what do you think the Patriots would give up? Kind of a, a deep question yeah. there. Yeah, so I think – and, yeah, we are talking um, – and heavy Patriots right now, but uh, for all you Brown fans out there, listen, this is kind of helping in a way because the pa- the Browns are trying to get to be the Patriots. So this is giving a blow. Uh, this is like giving a uh, basis on what the Browns kind of need to do. And you know, if we're talking tight ends, we're hoping David Njoku can be Gronkowski. Ask he's not going to ever be a blocker. But going on to Kyle Rudolph. He's not Gronkowski. Like he's not the run blocker he was, but Kyle Rudolph is a special talent at tight end. And um, I don't, I haven't checked lately, but I, I don't think the Patriots did they draft a tight end. No, they did not draft a tight end, which surprised me. So that means what that tells me is where they wanted to be at the with the tight end spot and, and how late in the draft because I honestly think that Irv that Irv Smith um, yeah. I think they wanted him from from everything that I read but I think they wanted him later on like a third round pick or a late yeah. second you know trading into that they wasn't going to give up a high because a high second round um, they wanted that Dewan uh, Williams which is a cornerback he's we can kind of go into that a little bit. Way under the radar, he was. I mean, if you looked at different draft boards, he was a a very highly touted guy, but it wasn't a refined uh, cornerback. Obviously, being under Bill Belichick's yeah. system, I'm going to believe that they're going to transform him into something. Uh, I was actually just listening today at work on a Patriots podcast, and there's the it's out of Boston, and there's people that believe he can be a uh, Brandon Browner esque type of uh, cornerback, which for me, man, that just makes my heart skip a beat because that team that they had with Brandon yeah. Browner and Darrell Revis was unbelievable in the backfield. Yeah, Brandon Browner. If if for those of you that don't know, Juwan Williams is, I believe, his combine height was six three and change, and uh, yeah. he's two hundred some pounds. And he's a thumper. Like, um, so what I watched from him, he's not he wasn't very good in marriage at Van, but uh he you know, he's a young kid and you 
I took a player undrafted last year, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So that and uh, made him a great man coverage guy. And Jawan Williams, uh, you know, now playoff cold weather, nasty stuff. He was the best tackling cornerback in this draft. I think that could have been a steal for the Patriots. I think a lot of people wanted him on the Browns. I don't think he really fit what the Browns want to do with their cornerbacks, with the speed, smaller guys like Greedy and Denzel. But I do agree. Williams for the Patriots was a good pick. Getting a tight end. And they did. They I just looked. They I forgot. They did go out and get Benjamin Watson. Who, you know, yep. He's, he's going to be a good second option at this point in his career. He was pretty good last year, but uh, well, you know it, he wasn't what he was. And if you have Kyle Rudolph and Benjamin Watson getting passes from TB12, uh, that's a that's a that's good enough for sure. And they they also brought in uh, Austin Safarian and Jenkins. But oh, did they really? Yeah, I don't think oh, he. Okay. I don't think he's really. I just don't see the scheme fit in now. I yeah. I trust the Patriots offense, you know, being able to do that. But I just – and the same thing with Ben Watson. I like Ben. Ben was actually a little uh, kind of story on him. He's the original Patriot. He was drafted in 04, I think a second round uh, tight end. Really? Yep, yep. He was originally drafted by the Patriots. So it's kind of a coming home for him, and I think that's why he came out of retirement to come back because it was the first team that he ever played with. And he played with, obviously, 04, he played with Brady, so he gets to kind of come back and catch some yeah. more passes from Brady. I, I like it a lot, but I I don't – I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm worried because I feel like they've built an offense that doesn't rely on a grunt type of player. I mean, bringing yeah. in Camille Harry – we still have Julian Edelman. Um, they brought in Demarius Thomas, which I think, honestly, if, Denari- if Demarius Thomas is healthy, I think they'll put him in as, like, in that kind of tight end role. Um, they brought in uh, Inman that played for the Colts last year. I think that yeah. they can hopefully kind of open him up a little bit more and make him a little bit better than he was for the Colts. Though he didn't have a bad bad year last year but yeah just kind of touching on that and like you're saying with the browns you know take the wide receiver core that you guys have with coleman obj and uh landry obviously it's not the same that the patriots run but it's not far off i mean you look at it okay so let's go back to 07 and now people are probably going to scuffle at this at the thought of this but let's kind of compare a Randy Moss type of player to an OBJ. I think that's I think that's legitimate. I think people under I think and I'm not just saying this cuz he's a Browns player now. I think people are underselling what Bill Beckham Jr is. He's not a one-handed catch guy. I mean he no. might be the one-handed catch player in the NFL, but you know, uh with I don't have a ranking of my best wide receivers in the NFL, but I have like DeAndre Hopkins and the Texans, Michael Thomas with the Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, you could do either of the Minnesota guys. There's there's this top tier and OJ's easily in that top tier, if not the best in that tier. Right. And sorry, like, go back on to your comparisons. Yeah, I so apologize. like No, 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 you're good. I I, I like it. Um 
So let's go to a a Landry, and uh, I don't. Do you remember a guy called uh, Dante Stallsworth? I don't 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 kill me, Browns fans, if I'm wrong. But I he played on. I think he played on the Browns. Give me one second. Yes, he did. They signed him to the Browns, and I know he got like arrested when he was with the Browns. Bunch of bullcrap. Yeah, they signed him to a seven-year deal at one point. But yes, I do remember him. Sorry, yeah. go on. So, so that's where I would I give the comparison. When you start talking about an offense, like I legitly think this. I think that 07 Patriots would be a a damn good comparison to what you can look at with this Browns team. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so a Landry compared to a uh, Dante Stolzworth. Dante wasn't, he's, you know, Landry's going to have to take a step back because obviously having OBJ, OBJ is going to take it off the top. And Dante could, he could stretch the four of the field at any given time, but he took less passes and kind of just played a role where he'd go out there and be a, you know, a guy who would distract him from Randy Moss and Randy Moss would get one-on-one coverage. Same thing mm-hmm. with Wes Welker and a Coleman. Now Wes Welker is the more um, refined, you know, slot guy who would, play any anywhere on the field uh but coleman in a couple of years i think will definitely be a high targeted player to where he can do i think he can do more i guess what i'm getting at is he can do more than west west just mastered the slot play yeah you know with getting those short routes and just making killer yardage out of it i think with yeah. coleman he can or i keep saying coleman i mean callaway sorry at the um, end, but I think people knew who you meant. You well, I I always think Coleman because the, the Corey, whites, yeah, Corey Coleman. They, they just, don't even. Yeah. We don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> he never happened. We never fifteenth uh, overall pick on him. Yeah, so <laughs> Callaway, I think it, he can stretch the four more. But I guess what I'm getting at is I, I I'm giving props to the bronze. I I wanna me personally. Maybe it's just because of being a Patriots fan and always being tight, you know, tight with money when it comes to wide receivers. I wouldn't have brought OBJ in, but I'm also not a big personality guy because I've watched a football team that, you know, over the last 20 some years has only had a couple big personalities ever play for him, being Rob Gronkowski and Randy Moss. And we had a Corey Dillon here and there, but you know, there wasn't a lot of big personalities. And if they were on, if they were on the Patriots, they were hidden until they left. So, but I I get the talent and I, I, for the Browns, I think it's great because it brings a lot of publicity to the Browns that they need. They need that real good hype. Um, you know, this team took a huge step last year with Kitchens and Baker and having the run game that you guys had and, you know, being able to do what little you did or sorry, not little, but what you did with the type of players. A little time. Yeah. Yeah. I I think is fantastic. You know, and and there was games that you were in last year that you could have won if you know i believe this maybe some people don't i believe you know later on in the season you could have won those games the early in the season games 
if you would have had more time to kind of put that team together. But I also will say this, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not, but I believe having Baker set those couple games behind Tyrod Taylor gave him that little extra fuel when he came out to prove I am way better than this guy that you put out on the field. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to show it over and over and over again. And he did it. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm kind of hopping on the Baker bandwagon here. You know, That's I'm a Patriots fan, but love to hear. I, I like him. I like his his edginess. I like the just the amount of plays that he can make in the backfield. I, I think a lot of people underrate what he did last year because you got to watch that guy. I won't even speak of his name in Kansas City. Um, you know, the, the guy that was supposed to beat the Patriots but couldn't beat him twice last year. I, I don't know. I, I what what's his name? Can you can you tell me? I'm having slippage. He's talking about Patrick Mahomes, who Browns fans this year probably won't like very much. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, the guy that you got just beat forgot and beat. Yeah. Yeah, I got beat by a 42 year old. He got showed up again. Oh man, that's gonna suck. <laughs> Sorry, I am I, gonna, I am gonna argue you on one point. Uh, Browns fans, don't worry. My corner, the gloves are on. We're getting to the center of the ring. With the OBJ thing, I understand completely. With the page telling me they don't like that the Browns went and got OBJ. I mean, they understand why they did, but like you wouldn't have done it, I guess. I didn't. Sorry, I'm reframed what you said. And I understand that because when you're the Patriots, you don't need that swagger and and cockiness because you got Belichick and Tom Brady, the greatest duo in the history of sports. With as a Browns fan, I want to see Baker. I mean, I want to see Baker and Odell. I don't give a damn. I'd love to see them both do it. Walk up, you know, we're in Heinz Stadium. Walk up and fake piss like you're a dog on the field goal post. I don't care. I love that. Do it everywhere. Go kick kickers nets. I don't care. As long as you're not getting hurt, be as cocky as you want as long as you perform. And OBJ performs, but I again, I'm just arguing that point, like as a Browns fan. But I understand certain teams don't need that, um, those those characters. And, but I think the Browns are working so well because all these characters, none of them like co, all coincide together. Because um, Dan Orvalowski says this all the time on ESPN, Baker and OBJ and. Landry, who's not really a big personality, he's just uh, he's very influential in the locker room. But all these guys that are personalities, um, they all are the same kind of people. And then you have more reserved guys that are still superstars, like Joel Batone, Miles Garrett. And I, I think it all flows because they all just know that at the end of the day, we to Baker Mayfield, and I think. I think OBJ even has that already with working with Baker in the offseason. I don't know if you know that, but like the past two years, they've worked out together out in L.A. And that's why of the attitude. But again, I understand as a Patriots fan, you would have you guys would have been like, why the hell are we bringing OBJ into this? We we already have everything established. But with, we're kind of like that teenage kid that's just kind of causing havoc. And you guys are like the 28-year-old with starting a family, and we're trying to get to be you guys, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, you want something? You want me to tell you something that'll really pump every Browns fan up? Absolutely. So a lot of people don't know this. You can look this up and you can find this. 
the year before OBJ signed the big contract, which would have been last year, um, I'm sure you remember there was trade talks then. Yeah. Do you know who called the New York Giants to go get OBJ? Uh, yeah, my team. And supposedly, I don't – They nobody knows this to be true because you know how the Patriots do. They wrap everything up and make sure nobody knows what they are yeah. actually saying. But supposedly, they offered two second-round picks and something else, though they won't say what the something else was, for OBJ. And that's when the Giants really? took him off the table. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean – that's where you're the double-edged sword if you're a Patriot, uh, if you're the Patriots owners or the fans, because if you actually want someone, people are like, well, shit, they're obviously worth something. We're going to keep them. Yep. I, yeah. And at that point in time, when I heard that, I thought, no, there's no way. And then I read the multiple reports coming out of Boston about it. I'm like, okay, you know, there's rumors that spread, but when you got high-ranked Boston guys coming from the Boston Herald that are saying this, there's something that's sticking to it. So, yeah, that that's when they pulled him off the table. And I got thinking, I'm like, well, maybe when they, well, when they redid his contract, I knew then that there's no way Bill's going to pay that kind of money for a player. But like you said, I, I totally do agree with you. When I, I guess I should have rephrased what I said. When I was talking about that with, I just didn't see a fit for him with the Patriots now. Now, like the 07 yeah. Patriots with Randy Moss. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same ordeal. We needed a personality in that locker room to help Brady and the rest of the team just kind of give that little swagger. And you, I'm sure you, you're only a couple years younger than me. I'm sure you remember Randy Moss with the little little salsa dances in the end zone. Oh he'd, yeah, he'd go up on people. He, and people hated him. I mean, he, he hated him. But damn, was he good? And he. Proved it to you time in and time out, man. He helped me fall in love with the game of football. I wasn't able to – I was only able to play it in, uh, you know, elementary school because our high school didn't have football. But going out in the backyard, football is my favorite sport. And, you know, I always wanted to be the wide receiver or the tight end because I was a bigger kid. You, you know, I would always try to moss people, you know, over top of them <laughs> in the back of the end zone. And anytime time a touchdown, I'd grip the ball turn around and do the little high step that they put in the Madden later on with the ball behind me. I fell in love with his swagger. And I just, I mean, Randy Moss is easily one of the best. I mean, I'm looking at his 07 stats and I had to look at them twice because I thought my glasses messed up on a, on under a hundred catches. He had 1500 yards and 23 touchdowns. I'm not a math wizard, but that's basically 25% of his catches were a freaking touchdown. Yep. Hey, that, that's that's you can only pray that that's how it's going to be with OBJ as a Browns fan, but you know that you know it can't. That's just high powered right there. Yeah, and and you know going going talking on the Browns a little bit more. Um, what you guys have going for you that we never had. Brady is not an elusive runner, which I mean Baker's not either, but Baker is way better on his feet than Brady ever has. Baker surprised, I think, a lot of people in the NFL last year with how I he, he st- I was sorry, I was I don't mean to interrupt, but I was going to talk about this later, but I'll talk about it now since you brought it up. I think I've been watching a lot of Baker Mayfield uh, studying his team, and I think this year, you know, he's uh, there's obviously people like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes as well. Uh, he's up there 
Pierre is one. He was the bet one of the best so far I've watched at avoiding pressure in the pocket, which makes the offensive line's life so much easier. But he evaded pressure so much, so easily for transitioning into the NFL in one year. You know, against teams like the Ravens and the Texans, I know he had three picks, but he should have been sacked numerous times. But he just was not sacked towards the end of the year. But go back on with with uh, yeah. Brady and his elusive. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I was just saying, like, you know, going back to where we were talking about the 07 season, that was a younger Brady, but even actually, if you start looking at the last like three to four years when Tom Brady started this whole TB12 stuff, he is way more elusive in the pocket. Well, I think elusive is the wrong wrong word here. Um, I think, no, I think you're using the right word. He, he, He's not elusive in the fact that like he's not Le'Veon Bell and can sprint away from you. But I've noticed, especially last year, when Tom Brady got hit, it was never hard. He was elusive in the way that like he could soften the blow of a hit. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think elusive and, is the right word. And like you go back to like 2007, I feel like when you watch Brady, he was just so like just stiff. I mean, what is yeah. the same watching Peyton Manning? He's just yeah. God, you like. You cringed every time they took a hit because you're like, is this the one? And, you know, I think that comes back to, you know, like with Peyton with the neck surgery. And we're kind of getting off a little bit off topic to where I'm trying to get at. But what I'm saying is <laughs> Brady doing that TB12 stuff, being able to get loosen his body up to be able to move around. That's one thing that you guys have early in Baker's career. And I would love, I would love to see Baker join the TB12 movement. I think for one, for him, being able to be the guy that he is, where he can move around a lot, and then adding that onto it, I it lengthened his career because it's shown with Brady. I don't care what anybody says; he ain't drinking the fountain of youth. He is doing this stuff that's all part of TB12, and it it works. And like it, it seriously works yeah. because he is never you. We've never seen a quarterback at 42 years old look like he does. We've never I, seen anybody. Thing a forty-two year old look like that. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Brady fan. I would say that if you know, if there was a forty-two year old Browns quarterback that was doing it, you know, it's amazing what I don't know what they've figured out. It's something with you know being able to stretch the muscles and have a you yeah. know loose body going into a game and what that does for you. But what I'm getting at is what you guys have as a core of an offense, and then added a really good defense. That you have, and it, it and don't don't let the numbers fool you. The Browns' defense is a lot better than what the numbers were saying last year. Yeah, yeah. It's, Greg Williams, I hate that man to my very core. I will. People were mad that he wasn't the head coach. Greg Williams was a terrible defensive coordinator. I say, I think I've said this every damn podcast except for the one that was all NBA. Just like Isaac just said, when you are playing one of the most athletic box safeties in Jabril Peppers, 30 yards behind the line of damn scrimmage, you're doing something wrong. When you hold back the most athletic defensive lineman to ever be in the NFL to only use two pass rushing moves? What the hell is your problem, man? You, I, he had 13 and a half sacks using two moves. Sorry, I just, oh, Greg, you're right. Greg Williams did not help that defense. The numbers are not where they should be. No, and I agree. And I think, I honestly think, and I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of stretching here, 
But I think what you're going to see with the Browns this year is a lot like what the Patriots do. They bend but don't break. When you get yep. in that red zone, the Browns are going to be freaking deadly. Yeah, yep. you're going to get yards put up on you. But when it comes down to and you guys will be a really good run-stopping team. But it, And that's the same. That's what the Patriots' bread and butter is. I mean, ever since, I would say, probably 05 and on, they've not been a you know, one of those top elite defenses, but they've been able to most of the time stop the run. And when it gets in the red zone, you're not, you're not going to score on them. Not very often. At least if you're going to score on them, you do it with deep passes and beating our guys in coverage. Yeah. uh, The, the the Patriots and the Browns have went this off season and just decided each that they were going to have, two of the better offensive lines in all of the NFL. You, Patriots have – did I say offensive? I meant defensive. I don't remember what I yeah, said. Yeah, but you, you said offensive, but yeah. Defense. You got Michael Bennett. Uh, I. They basically snagged him for pennies out of the catch cushion. Great pickup. Great pickup. Chase Winovich was one of my favorite edges in the entire draft. I cannot believe he went as late as he did. And I freaking knew as soon as he got out of that first round, I'm like, Patriots are going to get him. I just didn't. I didn't know. I'm like, well, it's Patriots. They might get him around six somehow. For Rashawn Gary was drafted. I don't know the amount of picks. Two, basically two rounds ahead of his teammate, Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich yeah. was just as he was quicker. He was just as strong. And he had, had 200 times the production in college so and then you add danny shelton in that mix one of the best run stoppers in the nfl mike pinnell lawrence got like the the patriots are just doing they the, the browns are doing doing from the inside out they, they each have good linebacking corps they each have good cornerbacks which we're going to get to in just a minute and like you said the the browns Adding these pieces on defense, it looks exactly like what the Patriots have done their entire tenure being this dominant. And uh, kind of going back to that, so um, <clears throat> there was a big-name guy that came out of New England this year who signed with the Lions, got big-time money. Uh, yeah, being Trey, Trey Flowers. Flowers. I love Trey Flowers, but here's my thing on Trey. We had another guy that a lot of people probably have never heard of if you haven't followed the Patriots. His name is Dietrich Wise Jr. This kid can play. When he would come into a game, he'd line up the opposite side of Trey Flowers, and more times than not, he was getting more pressure on the quarterback than what Trey Flowers was. Now now you're going to line him up and potentially have uh, Chase Winovich, because I, I am – I will sit here today and tell you, I feel like that kid is a grinder, and Bill is going to love him. He's going to come into the preseason. He's just going to eat people up, and Bill is going to be like, you know what? We're going to find a way to put you on here. Yeah, like you were saying, we got Michael Bennett for a little bit of nothing, and now they're going to put Wise in there with a guy like uh, you were saying, like with Mike Pinnell, we got another guy, Adam Butler. And then also, yeah, you can't forget re-signing Danny Shelton. I mean, good And, and guy, like this defensive line is, it seriously reminds me of an early 2000s where we were just eating offensive lines up. Now, yep. 
coming, you know, you'll get into injuries and stuff. And hopefully, you know, we don't have any big ones. But I still think, you know, there's talks right now with bringing in Greg McCoy. I mean, good God, I could not imagine if we bring him in. That offensive line will be stout and they'll be able to do a rotation like the Eagles did, which I think is the future of the NFL. Yes, thank you. What the Eagles did, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, one of many, but was that defensive line being able to be cycled in and out and they just wore out the offensive line. And if, if you remember, it came down to that that uh, interception at the end where, oh, yeah, Brady got tipped, ball got tipped, and there yep. you go, game over. But, yeah, I, I think I think Bill and I think the same thing with the Browns. They're, they're smart enough. Freddie Kitchens is smart enough to realize by watching the Eagles, okay, so you're going to have to build a line where you can rotate guys in and out, still being able to have – the other players like in the linebackers and your quarterbacks and on special plays, but still being able to bring the right guys in at the right time. And, you know, for, you know, take, for example, the Patriots, when they go into dime coverage, they'll drop a bunch of uh, linemen back, but we still got guys like Van Noy and we had Roberts last year. They always seem to have linebackers that can still get really good pressure, but, are almost no-name guys or are guys that you're like, oh, they're still producing there. And I think yeah. I think maybe they might put a Chase uh, Winovich into a linebacker spot and in, 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 in plays like that, I guess is what I'm he's getting certainly, at. He's certainly uh, – Chase Winovich is, would probably be the most athletic of your linebackers as it sits. Van Noy, Hightower, they're – I would, I would maybe say Roberts is, is a little bit charts. more athletic than yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would agree with you on that one. But, yeah, bringing him into the mix. And then you're not – I don't know how you feel about this, but us getting Jamie Collins back, I'm not, <laughs> not necessarily sold on it. I, I think Jamie's a solid player. I hope he got his head on straight because there was problems with him the first go-around about taking plays off, and Bill hated that. So I'm hoping that he understands coming back to us. But, I mean, I, I don't know. You'd be the, a good one to ask. What did you think of the time that Jamie Collins spent in Cleveland? Yeah, so I think there's a good, good chance under Bill Belichick he'll get better at it. But as a, as a Brown, it, probably sometimes it was because we weren't contending. He would just not show up. And when he did show up you were like wow this guy's this guy's a great starting linebacker you know he could start on any team and when he didn't want to show up he was just ass he was absolute ass and it was so annoying because he was such a good run stopper and you know he had the ability and the zone coverage but i you hope he gets his head back on straight like how he was playing for the patriots for his sake well and that's that's what i'm saying with the first go around why bill traded him away because he did the same thing with the Patriots. And it's like, I hope that he understands now and he's matured enough to realize. I, I honestly think, and this is a little bit of a stretch, maybe some people might think, but you, you're going to like this. I think you could potentially see if everything plays out right. And there's, an, I don't think there's a lot of different things that have to play out to make this happen. You could see an AFC championship where 
it's a Browns and a Patriots. And what I'm getting at to that, talking about Jamie Collins, is the fact of this team, for one, is a lot better with the acquisitions that we brought in this year than last year. Like that, I almost feel like, and people probably aren't going to like to hear this, I think it was almost a fluke last year that the Patriots won. They was not playing very good until the playoffs. And it it was the worst that I've saw. And I know that's by Patriots standards, but it wasn't a good team. There wasn't, besides the run game, the defense wasn't what it should have been. And, you know, we had Julian Edelman and who? I mean, for a while we had another former Brown. I don't think we have to mention his name, but uh, – <laughs> Uh, he, <laughs> we, we didn't have a team that you normally see and yeah, kind of touching on what I just had said about the AFC championship. I believe strongly believe you could see that a Browns Patriots AFC championship. And I know that's really early for the Browns, but I, I'm riding this Browns bandwagon. Um, though I'm a backseat kind of falling off because I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm there. I will That's watch. Right. I I I like the team. I I like what they can do. I really hope that they can live up to this this talk that they want to be the Patriots. I'd love to see it, but I also have to say, talking to a Browns fan here, don't put the cart in front of the horse because we're the Patriots are still here, and. <laughs> Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and this team aren't just going to willingly give it up. Because don't forget, there's a guy named Josh McDaniels that is underneath the great Bill Belichick and is just licking his chops, waiting for the time that Bill says, hey, I'm going to retire because Josh will get that team. That's the reason why he gave up the job for the Colts, because they offered that. I've read a couple different articles saying that that's pretty much what he's alluded to. But going back to that, um, yeah, I think you could see a time where the Browns and the Patriots maybe for the next couple of years, you know, duel it out for who's going to the Super Bowl. And then, you know, if the Patriots don't find another quarterback, which they don't seem too concerned about, and I don't understand that, um, to yeah. replace Tom Brady, it, it'll leave it wide open because the Steelers are on a downfall. I don't see the Ravens going anywhere with a Lamar Jackson. Um yeah. Yep. Patrick Mahomes, but the, he's losing all his weapons around him. So what's that team going to be like next year? Uh, are you counting on that the Jets are going to be able to do something? I'm not, though I do really like the quarterback they have. I mean, what team in the AFC is going to step up and take you on? I don't see it. I, I honestly don't. I, I don't see a team that's growing to that. You know, maybe if Tennessee – would get a quarterback. They have a lot, a, a lot of good pieces there. We'll see what adding another wide receiver does to that team. Yeah, I, I like Mike Vrabel, but he's also a former Patriot. So yeah, I'm hmm. gonna like him. Um, you know, I feel like the Texans the last couple of years have had a team that you would be like, you know, just looking at their roster, you would think, wow, there's a lot of talent on here, but they don't have an offensive line. They cannot protect Deshaun Watson. So, therefore, he's going to get destroyed. He's probably going to be like, I think a good comparison to compare him to was a former Texan by the name of David Carr. David Carr played on that team. He was 
uber talented with one good wide receiver in Adrian Johnson and Mm -hmm. just got just destroyed because they never put an offensive line in front of him, which I don't get because here again, another former Patriot being uh, Bill O'Brien should know this because he's been with New England. He was with New England for like three years under Skarnecki and understands how an offensive line should be built. Sorry to go on a little rant there, but no, yeah. you're good. I, I, I just, fully believe what you were saying with the AFC. I truthfully think the contenders are, and I know you with, I know we can't get the card ahead final paper and how the Browns played last year under Kitchens and how this all season has gone with everyone respecting Kitchens in that organization, you know, not in a particular order, but the Colts, the Patriots, the Browns, and then I truthfully don't know that fourth team in the AFC. Like you are there. They just don't have an offensive line. The Ravens, I Lamar can't throw. Um, oh, shit. I am forgetting the Chargers. The Chargers are good. But this is a big thing with the Chargers. They're a Keenan Allen or a Phillip Rivers injury away from being absolutely nothing. Yeah. So that's stuff you have to think about. I forgot about the Colts. Colts are definitely an up-and-coming team that are going to be – they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. But I think what's going to happen with them is they're going to battle it out because I I have a feeling that Kansas City is going to figure it out. So I feel like maybe those two teams will kind of neutralize themselves. You know, every year they'll have to, you know, battle at their divisional spots, you know, towards the bottom, you know, a three or four seed or a five or six type of deal where they battle it out. And, you know, they come into the next week and they play like a Browns or a Patriots where they just had to fight with that other team. And they're not, I wouldn't say they're not prepared, but they're definitely, yeah, they're they're the tooth from the season. So, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, the chargers are, that's the thing. I kind of, I kind of feel bad being as that team last year was so good. And I don't know what happened to where they fell apart against us. I was honestly worried going into that, that game. And then the Patriots just manhandled them. And they, you that was thought ridiculous. I had no clue what was going on. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that at all. You know, I, I had confidence in my team to win, but I thought it was going to come down to a shootout with Brady versus Rivers, and mm-hmm. it wasn't nothing like that. So I don't I don't know, you know, going long-term. I like that team. I think there's a lot of talent on our Chargers. I totally agree with you. But like you said, the Keenan Allen or Phillip Rivers injury away, yeah, that team's nothing. I don't even know who who's their backup and and. Chargers land. Do you know that for Philip? Yep. Taylor. <laughs> they can have. It's time. Ty- yeah, they're going to get real far with Tyrod Taylor. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so I know you wanted to hit on um, Nikhil Harry, Sony Michelle, and Edelman, but this has been running long. So I want to have you on a different time to talk. I, I think what we could do a, a whole entire episode talking Brady and his receivers and weapons and then Baker and his weapons if you want to do that and we could get into your stats about okay. those two defensive backs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely so. Alright, so he uh, Isaac actually has a stat from PF. It's pretty awesome and Browns fans, you guys can still be in because 
Denzel Ward was second on the list. But Isaac, if you go ahead and tell him that stat. Yeah, so uh, so last year <clears throat> the Pats had two top 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 five graded cornerbacks that played in man coverage. One was Stephon Gilmore, and then J.C. Jackson, which. Like we were just talking about, I, I, the reason why I wanted to touch on this is a lot of people last year wanted to kind of dog on how the Patriots defense played. Well, people need to remember J.C. Jackson was a rookie last year, and he was our number two. And he was undrafted. Yeah, and he was undrafted. And so talking like going to the Browns, you know, you guys had young cornerbacks and Den- Denzel, which I – going – Touching on that a little bit, I love that pick when they took him. I know a lot of people kind of turned their nose up to that. I I really did. Watching Ohio State the year prior to that and seeing how he played, I thought when they made that pick, I thought, man, they're going for a lockdown. To I mean, you look at – honestly, they were looking at locking down Antonio Brown, which you don't have to yeah. worry about anymore. But just the thought of that was I, – I, I liked it. Yeah. I, I, I was honestly – I'm not going to say I was right about the pick. I was confused as all hell. I was like, we got the fourth overall pick. We're going with Roquan Smith. We're going to build with Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey and just get a created Madden player at linebacker, which is what I think Roquan Smith was. And they took Denzel and – damn. But then I was like, well, the Browns drafted him. So he's a future Hall of Famer in my book. And then I was on the hype wagon. And then preseason week one, he didn't even do anything special. I was like, son of a bitch. That's my guy. Bought it now. I'm based off him. I, I'm about to get my second Denzel jersey. I mean, he's just my favorite player. He's, he's one of the most well-educated, uh, respectful human beings I've ever seen in the NFL in all of his interviews. Sorry, go on. Yeah, he's he's a solid guy. There's just one other stat I wanted to touch on, and you know, this is kind of piggybacking going back to what we were saying earlier. So, like, I was kind of talking on how like the Patriots with uh with how this was kind of not their season this year, you know, not what you would normally look at as a typical Patriots team. I know people are gonna scoff at that and be like, "What do you mean they won 11 games?" You know. They, <laughs> were the you know the Patriots like but no watching them and I guess maybe it's because I've I I don't want to say spoiled because I feel like it's not spoiled because they're just a good team and it's not like they're you know it's not like going to watch the Yankees play where they're just buying players like they're homegrown guys Uh, amen what what I'm getting at with this is Brady had the highest clutch grade in PPF for 2018. And they he had Edelman, freaking Edelman. And he had Gordon for, what, eight games, six games? That's all he had. Yeah, maybe. Because Rob was a shell of what he was. Sony Michelle just took handoffs because he doesn't he, – he's not a pass-catching back yet, and I don't really think they're going to make him into one. We had James White, but honestly, they did not use James White like they normally do. No, they didn't. So, like, just thinking about that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and, you know, be the co- freaking commander of the TB12 hype train, but good lord, <laughs> like, I know there's a lot of people that are wore out from him, and I guess like what I'm getting at is stand, stand behind Baker. 
I know some people don't like his edginess, and they like. I think a lot of people turn to like the Brady types, and I guess like the Peyton Manning's and calm, and like collected, quiet. Yeah, that's how you should be. No, no, not at all. You know what? There's also guys like freaking Philip Rivers that's out there that Brett, are Brett Favre. Yeah, but a lot of people forget about Brady. Go watch the sideline of a game. Brady isn't this calm, cool, collected guy. Dude, he gets in people's faces. He tells them what he thinks, and you can watch him. You can tell with Brady when those touchdowns really mean something and when they're not. And last year, there was a lot of touchdowns that meant a lot. And you could tell he was freaking pumped because he watched the team evolve with him uh, and kind of go on. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. With Baker, don't. Don't discredit and be like, well, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. No, Peyton Manning was the even-keeled guy that didn't really do a whole lot. Tom Brady's really freaking emotional. He's almost as emotional as OBJ. But a lot of people yeah. just overlook it because they don't they don't pay attention to the sidelines. I've watched him and Edelman and Rob Gronkowski freaking about duke it out on the sidelines because a play was ran wrong or Brady over- hug the next break. Yeah, and it's like that's just how he is. He – He's a grinder, like, and and Baker's a grinder. What I'm, I, I guess, to kind of wrap all this up, what I'm getting at is the comparison with OBJ that he brought up and and said that they want to be like the Patriots. That's not something to scoff at. If you're a Browns fan, go buy your tickets. Go go to the games because guess what? This these guys right here, their core group that want to be a dynasty, that want to win a lot of football games. And if you're watching football, you want them to win. That's what you want. This is the kind of this this is the hype that you want around them. You know, if if you're standing if if you're standing there and at a game and you're watching them and you see OBJ do his little a little dance in the end zone and you see that that is good. That that's showing that he wants to be a Brown and good yeah. Lord. For Browns fans, that's what you want. You want guys to be there because guess what? They didn't want to be here on two years ago. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, let's not forget what our past is because I know as a Patriots fan, I wasn't alive for it, but the Patriots were a god-awful team until, oh, I don't know. What's his name? Gosh, this guy that bought the Patriots and he just happened Robert to bring this Huh? Yeah, Bob Kraft. Thank you. Yeah, Bob Bob Kraft bought him, and then in the late '90s, and then turned this franchise around by bringing in a guy like Bill Belichick. Sorry, Browns fans. I know that one probably still stings, and being able yeah, to Freddie get, now Bill Belichick's irrelevant. <laughs> uh, here's a little question for you. See if you know this. Uh, being an NFL guy, do you know who the Patriots had before they brought in Bill Belichick? He oh, is a coach. A bitch. He coaches in the NFL right now. He'd probably be considered a top five coach. It wasn't Andy Reid, was it? No, it was not. He plays in the uh-uh. NFC. Or coaches in the NFC, sorry. Coaches the NFC. Old and he's, ah. and he's an older guy. His team's a bird. It, well, it can't be the Eagles. No. Is it? No, it's not oh, the Eagles. It's not not the not Kingsbury's a little young. I it's not no, it's not uh Seahawks, is it's not Pete Carroll. It was Pete Carroll. You are really? 
Pete Carroll was the coach. They fired him and brought Bill in. How the turn? Yes, I know I'm saying this wrong. This is an office TV show reference. But how the turntables? That The Browns had Belichick and Saban, and the Patriots had Pete Carroll. And nobody knew these guys were going to be all, all three of the greatest three coaches in the pantheon of football history. And they all got fired from their respective places and went elsewhere. That's that's just that's what's so cool about football. It's yep. all about how hard you want to work. And we've seen Bill Belichick's the hardest worker in the in the in the industry of football. Yeah, I think like a lot of people don't realize Bill Belichick from the time that he was five years old, you know, lived, breathed, and died football. I mean, that's all he's known. His dad was a coach. His dad was a special teams coach. And yeah. You know, that's that's all he knows, and that's why the guy is the way he is. But he's still the guy that gets there at 3, 4 in the morning watching film. He watches film while he works out. And, then, you know, you got a guy like Brady that, that's a grinder. And it's the same thing with, like, Baker and OBJ. And you know Freddie Kitchens is ready to go. I think he's ready to yeah. go freaking the, the day after the the season stops, you know, depending upon where that is, where you get to. I And that's, that's the kind of guys you want. And – he, he's a fiery guy. You know, I, I listened to an interview with Baker and he talked about how Freddie Kitchens, you know, kind of kind of scared him at first because he's an aggressive guy and tells you exactly how he is. But he respected that. Yep. And that's the guy you want because that's a Bill Belichick type of guy. Uh, Bill Belichick is not yeah. afraid to tell you what he thinks of you. He'll also turn to you and go, well, we're trading you tomorrow because you didn't fall in line. And, and I think you have that with this team. And I feel like, as long as they can keep this group together and, you know, let them look and see, you know, this is what we have to look forward to if we keep going and just build on that and still be able to a, – a big thing with the Patriots is not only the draft, but the guys that they get out of free agency, the guys that yeah. nobody wants to talk about because nobody really knows them. And being able to put them in a system and make them do – well, the Patriots slogan, do your job. And that's that's all that has made this dynasty be what it is because they've made a little bit of nothing. Talking about like Julian Edelman, he was a seventh round pick out of Kent State and was a quarterback, and it took him three years to become a wide receiver. Now he's one of the best slot guys in the NFL, and that's it will go down as one of the best slot receivers in the history of the game, in my opinion. I would say that I'm, but I'm a diehard Julian Edelman fan because he. Web breathes and dies what the Patriots are. He's a guy that goes in, punches his time clock, has his lunch pail in his hand, and freaking works. And that's all he does. And you know what? He gets up and he'll look look you straight in the face and go, How are you letting a seventh round pick beat you? And he'll just he'll take that football. I love it, man, because he's got those big guns and he'll point that football when he gets that first down right in your yeah. face. Dude, God, I love it. And he doesn't drop passes. He actually – so a crazy stat. Um, they took – last year they took the time that Wes Welker spent with the Patriots compared to Julian Edelman. And it was – I can't I, – I wish I would have wrote this down. I can't remember exactly. But it was like the completion rate to Julian Edelman, I want to say it was like something like – crazy like 15 or 20 percent higher than what Wes Welker was and you know Wes Welker stouted as one of the best slot guys to ever play the game yeah. like he redesigned the slot with New England 
And I didn't, I never realized that I, until I saw that stat. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like Julian Edelman, he doesn't drop passes. And if he does, that no. means Brady's really way overthrown him. But yeah, just going back to, you know, getting back to the basis with the Browns. Um, one thing I would say with the Browns is I really like that they did was they've went, they, and they started it in the last two years with the two, having two backs, which a lot of people don't realize the Patriots were doing that long before that was ever popular, having a power back and a catching back. Yeah. Um, I like the setup they have now. And then you guys have a guy like uh, Duke Johnson, who is almost more of a receiver than he is a running back because he's so good out in field. I want to put uh-huh. him on. What's that? Oh, I just, I was, yeah, I agree. And, and he's, I think he has transformed that uh, that offense to be able to have a guy like that. I really, I don't know what the Browns are going to do with him come next season, though, because they got Hunt, and then uh, uh, I'm blanking on your other running back. Um, it's uh, Dontrell Hilliard. Did play some last year, and Freddie Kitchens trusted him enough that the I I couldn't tell you the amount of times Dontrell Hilliard taught touch the ball, but if you're not counting uh, kick and playoff kick and punt returns. It was probably thirty ish times, and one of those times was a damn pass. They ran a series again. I can't remember who it was again. Ran like it looked like a high school back where they had a quarterback and two uh, two receivers kind of like down in their hands. And, yeah, and they let Dontrell Hilliard throw the ball, and they ended up getting picked. Off actually, so he's terrible rating. I mean, probably negative. But that, that he does have, he has trust. It, Freddie Kitchens has trust in him, so they have a they have four running backs that Baker that Freddie Kitchens feels he can play at any time. Yeah, and like kind of touching base with that to compare that to the the Patriots. So the Patriots right now they have Sony Michelle, which was our our leading back last year, played phenomenal as a rookie, like. Totally blew my expectations away because I'll be honest with you, with that 30-second pick, I was mouthing the WTF. Why did we pick this guy? I didn't yeah. have no him. But obviously, you know, the great Bill Belichick, you can't you, you can't underestimate what he's Yeah. Doing. We have uh, Burkhead, which he's been injury-prone, and I, I think I think you're going to see him probably leave the Patriots next year. I don't think he sticks around. Um, they brought back Brandon Bolden, which is a huge uh, special teams thing, which I want to kind of touch on real quick. I know we're getting along, and we're, this is going probably a lot longer than you wanted to, but I want to touch on that with comparing that to the Browns, too, because special teams is a lot bigger than people realize. Mm-hmm. And if you're a true football mm-hmm. fan, you'll understand that special teams can make and break a Super Bowl team. But just hitting on that, too, you know, having James White and then they drafted that Harris kid out of Alabama. That's I mean, that's a big thing right now is having multiple backs that can do multiple things. Now, going with the Brandon Bolden thing, he was drafted from the Patriots. uh, I can't remember. He might have went to Tennessee last year or Miami. I can't remember. But he went and played for another team. And then he came back to the Patriots this year. And uh, he is uh, one of those guys that just, and so is Nate Ebler, that totally transformed our special teams. And they're the leaders with Matthew Slater on being able to, you know, when there's a punt, being able to get down the field and, you know, pin it deep. 
and also on kick, re, you know, kickoffs and kick returns, being able to be in in the right position. And I think for the Browns, that's something that they, I, I don't, you know, I haven't watched enough games to be able to see, but that's a big thing. And I hope that that's one thing that they build upon to kind of look towards the Patriots. That's, that's the one key thing that Bill every single game is so particular on because he was a special teams coordinator for years for the New York Giants. Um, that it it has solidified our dynasty, and I know that seems crazy that to think the the special teams is what. No, it's it's serious. Special teams is always good every year, and that keeps those points that can you know, happen, the slip of the mind where you're up by seven and a punt gets blocked and it goes back for a touchdown. Now it's a tight game and you lose those games. You know, over the years, those add up quite quickly, you know, giving up big punt returns. We don't, you don't ever see that. You don't ever see the Patriots give up big kick returns either. And those are huge things. And I I hope that with the Browns, and like I said, I haven't watched them enough to see what their special teams is like, but I hope that for the longevity term, they look at that and go, okay, we got to have these secure guys on our 52-man roster that are the leaders of that special teams and make that happen because it, it totally changes the team. If I, I remember it was like week four or five. Matthew Slater was out last year, and I could, I could tell. I think it was actually the game that the punt got blocked. And it's like it's crazy, but like Matthew's out there making sure guys are in the right position and lined up. And when he's not out there, it fell apart because Nate Edler was hurt. And then we didn't have Brandon Bolden at that time. And it's just crazy. You would think, oh, no, that ain't that big of a deal. I think we ended up losing that game. Uh, it was against Detroit, if I remember right. And it's just small things like that that can totally change the outcome. And, it, you know, it can change a tie game like you guys had last year into a win or, you know, a game that you would, would have lost into a win. And those add up to making a playoff team. Yeah. I completely agree, and you're okay with the time. I mean, if I, and if this is a, this is a Patriots heavy podcast, but for those of you uh, listening, it's okay. It's it's a Browns podcast. We can't talk Browns three hundred five days a year. They're very interesting, but there's so many Browns podcasts out there that there are going to be episodes where we talk about other things that are interesting and, and the Patriots those things. But back on topic to what you were talking about, special teams is. Huge and the Browns uh, were terrible teams last year. One of the worst fell. So what they did is they went and hired Mike Prefer, the special teams coordinator over in Minnesota, who's been everywhere he's went. He's had one of the best special teams units. They drafted a kicker. I'm still not happy about that, but I'll shove a sock in my mouth if he ends up turning out to be Phil Dawson. We can't judge how good a kicker is going to be. Nobody, no normal person, to judge what a kicker looks like in college. Um, also with that is they the Browns drafted, as you said, the Patriots do. The Browns drafted almost like, all right, we don't have this many holes. We can cover those up. But special teams, we have all these holes. Let's draft guys that can play special teams now, mold them to a player kind of like the Patriots did with. I guarantee, I don't know for sure, but that's probably, they saw J.C. Jackson. They're like, we got a big dude that's fast. Let's put him on the end and the edge on the special teams, let him get down the field. He came in there like, son of a bitch, this guy can cover. He's one of the best cover man coverage guys in the NFL. 
And that's kind of like what the Browns did. They went out and got Mac Wilson of Alabama. He's great on special teams. Sheldrick Redwine from Miami. He's supposed to be really good on special teams. You know, Donnie Lewis from Tulane. And it's special teams is so important. Brown fans know more than anything. We would have been in the playoffs last year had we had a. And I'm not speculating, oh, we could have won this. There were two teams that we just missed a field goal at the end of the game that would have got us those two wins. And it's stuff like that. They brought in a punter to compete with uh, Britton Colquitt, who we all know is one of the best punters in the NFL. But competition is what drives people to get better. And so, yeah, Isaac, great point. Special teams are so important. Like you said, if you if you watch, it, people punt and kick more than anything. Whatever happens with that can dictate a game. And I just want to um, – we can't run too much longer because I don't, I'm not sure what the time limit is, but we still got some time. Um, okay. I want to ask you a couple things about your perspective because I'm a little bit but um, We can do different episodes to break down positions with uh, the right, Patriots yeah. and the Browns. But I want to ask you uh, from the outside, Freddie Kitchens. So people are you know, saying he's a brand-new coach. He's not going to be able to do it. Well, yes, he's never been a head coach, but he's been around the game. I think he's been in the NFL for 17 years now, which does – and this is um, – they're him and Belichick are similar in ways, but something that I think Freddie Kitchens is unlike any other NFL coach I've ever heard of or coordinator is Jarvis and Baker and uh, Chubb talked about a little bit last year. When he, be, when he took over around a week, players – Defense was on the field. He'd go up to the bench and start talking to the offensive guys saying, what do you guys feel comfortable running against this defense? What are some plays I can throw at you guys that you feel comfortable to run right now? Which is huge. And no, people might say, well, there are the players that they get paid to do. They should be able to run whatever the coach said. But what they don't understand is that sometimes players are dinged up during practice. A lot of NFL players can't practice every day. They just can't. Um, So... You got players that are dinged up during practice. They can't practice that play. You got players that are their abilities just are impeded by doing certain plays. You know, if you have Jarvis running go routes all day, he's not going to flourish. And I think, I, and the first thing that everyone says about Freddie when they're interviewed is that I'm not kidding. Go watch an interview. It's always, he's a real dude. That is, like you said earlier, he doesn't. He doesn't shoot the shit with you. I mean, he doesn't sh- uh, on the bush with you. He's straight up. He doesn't shit with you. He's gonna tell you exactly what he's thinking, which is what's perfect in a coach. Bill Belichick. Does. And I think the only difference between Bill and uh, Freddie really is that he's goofy, but he's serious on the clock. And Bill can be goofy, but it kind of seems like you know the uh, 16 weeks of the NFL and like. OTAs and stuff. He's very serious, which isn't a bad thing. People like Popper like that too. Greg Popovich for the Spurs. But I just think like, what do you think, of Freddie Kitchens, from the outside, and what do you think of saying the Browns won't be good because they have a rookie head coach? Um. So can I make a comparison that you either you might either really like or really hate? Go for it. Josh McDaniels. And I, I honestly, I think that's fair. I honestly truly believe that because this is why you you talk about how 
he would go to the players on the sidelines. You can watch any Patriots game. I guarantee you when you see it go when Brady's on the sideline setting, especially after a three and out or, you know, a drive that's completely fell apart. It's Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels taking notes from Tom Brady. Okay. And it's the same thing. Josh has earned the respect from Julian Edelman, Tom Brady, the Rob Gronkowski's, James White, guys like that, where they can go to him and go, hey, that doesn't work. Throw that out. We're not doing that anymore. And they they run the offense. I mean, Brady, okay, so here's here's a crazy little, little stat for you. And I don't know if you heard this or not around the Super Bowl time. That last drive that the Patriots had um, against the Rams – the same play was ran seven times in a row. They just ran it differently every single time. And wow, Brady was the one making all the calls on the field. And more times than not, the playbook is thrown out and Brady calls it all from the huddle by himself with no freaking headset. He has a headset in, but nine times out of ten, he doesn't use it and he calls it from the line. And wow. like his his playbook on his arm, I've been told, and I don't know this to be true because obviously I don't I I'm not in, in the inner links of the Patriots, but I'm told there's 300 plus plays on that that pad. But there's wow. then they do that from the different ways that they can you know change a play you know five different ways or whatever. But still, that's that's amazing. But getting back to the comparison there, yeah, uh, and that's why I think. I think they've kind of wrapped their arms around Josh McDaniels and don't want to let him go because he is the type of guy. He's different than Bill, but he he has that edge that Bill has, but he also has kind of like the Freddie Kitchens where he can relate better with the guys, but he's also going to give you the no-nonsense. And, yes, we're going to be hard in the game and we're going to be strict and we're going to get in your face if you do something wrong, but – he also can be kind of a little bit more laid back than what Bill is. Bill, I feel, he, you know, he's probably laid back in practice and stuff that nobody sees. But I feel like when it's a game time, there's no there's no joking. There's no playing around. It's serious. Focus in on the game and where Josh can be a little bit more ease back, you know, touchdown. He'll bump fists, you know, getting, you know, yeah, and being real enthused by what's going on. Yeah. And I feel like with Freddie Kitchens, yeah, the whole rookie shit, you can throw that out. Like I don't I don't care about that. He he if you've been around the league long enough, you know, I, I think three to five years, that gives you enough to stand on to where you can go, okay, you can look back at the past history. And the, I'm saying that as being an assistant coordinator for the defensive line. I mean, there's guys like Brian Foros and the Bill O'Briens. Um I'm trying to think, like the uh Oh, now Rome, Romeo Camardi. There, there's been plenty of guys that have come out as assistants and had decent, you know, decent seasons as a rookie. I mean, yeah. look at the Eagles head coach. He did just Peterson. Fine. Same thing with Doug Sean McVay. Peterson, Sean McVay. Yes. Yes, I, I totally I agree. I honestly get more nervous when I see teams go to the college ranks to bring in a coach because I, 
now the colleges and the NFL is getting more more to be similar on how they run plays. But when it, well, you know, five six years ago, it was complete opposites. It was all spread in college, and it was single dropbacks with one running back in the backfield, two tight ends lined up, and two wide receivers on the outside. Well, it ain't like that anymore, and you can do that a lot easier. And I don't, I don't look at it as so much as a bad thing. But like, I would. If it's me being a Patriots fan, Bill Belichick retires tomorrow and Josh takes another job, I'd rather see him go within the system than go outside of it. Yeah. Or get a guy that used to coach under him, like a Bill O'Brien or a Mike Vrabel or, you know, a Romeo Cromartie. And there, there's a list of guys, you know, you could go back through. Nick Saban. It's, it's quite a tree. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not Reed, No, not Andrew. Andrew Reed has his own tree. Sorry, yeah, I, and I'm not trying to brag about it. I'm just saying that that when I look at that, that's what I want. I want. A, I'm not saying that I want another Bill Belichick, but I'm saying I want some guy that's learned from him and understands why he runs the system the way he does. Because obviously, it's proven. It's it's almost the same thing like Pete Carroll. He runs a totally different system, but it works. Same thing with yeah. Andy Reid. Andy Reid runs the system. Doug Peters. Doug Peters has been around enough. We see that what he does works, and so. You want guys that when that system's already established to kind of keep that going on, maybe put their little spin and twist on it, but still keep what's going on throughout that that whole longevity. And that's how you create a dynasty. I guess long term, that's kind of where I'm getting back to with the Freddie Kitchens thing. Keep what keep what you got there. Don't be this fire happy Browns that you've been over the last couple of years, which has drove me completely insane. These one seasons and and done, I I don't understand yeah. that at all. But and I get some of those coaches probably wasn't up for the task, but I I still think you need at least a two to three year window to see what you got. Yeah. But being being able to trust your players, having a front office that can bring in free agents plus bring in good draft picks is huge. Having scouts that you trust and that your head coach trusts. And just being able to kind of build on that. You've got a great foundation, probably better than most what you would consider a dynasty starting out as. You know, you would you would say the Browns dynasty, if it was to be quoted as a dynasty, started last year. And what you have as a foundation is way better than most teams ever have started with their dynasties. And to, to get to that. I think a, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. I guess to get to my main point here, Freddie Kitchens, I'm not I'm not worried about. I like the move. I think like you were saying with the Greg Williams people being like, well, he deserves that. No. The reason why that team forced the way they did is because Freddie Kitchens came over and took over the dang offense. Yeah. And he ran that. And that's what fueled them. It wasn't that defense that hung them around in games. It was that offense. And the way the NFL is moving, there's less guys like Bill Belichick who are defensive-minded and more guys are offensive-minded. And you want to be with the curve before everybody hops on that wagon. You know, it's like right now you're seeing these moves for guys that are associated with Sean McVay. And I'm not I'm not hopping on that because I just watched Sean McVay get destroyed in the Super Bowl and act like he'd never coached before in his entire life. And it was the same thing that... That, that same defense that they ran was the same one that Bill had ran two years prior or the year prior to that against uh, Jared Goff. We played him in the regular season, and it 
Jared Goff hadn't changed. And we can get on a whole other topic on Jared Goff because I can go on for about 15 minutes about him. I like him, but he has some severe weaknesses. And Bill Belichick has been one of very few coaches that has been able to exploit the actual weaknesses of that total offense. But yeah, yeah I we don't... could actually we could do a we could actually do an we could do episodes where we break down like the quarterbacks of every division. Yeah, I'd be a game for that. Like. Uh, like we were kind of talking before we got on here. I love, you know, being right now and in this time, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard baseball guy, but in May, talking about football, I, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm a diehard uh, Patriots fan, and anybody that listens to this podcast is going to be able to tell that. But uh, huh. I, I love football just in general, uh, and I never got to play it just like you did because of our school but it still didn't change me for the love of the game. I mean, yeah. Good lord, it's just it's awesome. Ugh. Yeah, I think it, sometimes it, I almost feel like it's making me love it more at this point because, um, you know, I've started reading books about like the the beauty inside of football, like basketball. I could tell you inside and out how to how to be or um, you know, how to not get beat every whatever. Uh, but football you know i didn't know that i and uh you know this past year i've really started to like dig into it and it's making me love the game so much more seeing the like when i watch guys running around like it's almost like i see lines in my head like oh he should he should have went he should have there the pass should have went there and now in football i'm starting to oh they should have dropped they shouldn't have dropped back in the cover too you know they should have just stayed pressed man and just little stuff like that, and it's making me fall in love with it so much more. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And you know, I think like for us, we didn't get we didn't get burned out on football, you know, playing it or anything like that. So it kind of changes the aspect of how you look at the game also. And you do, you look at it for the love and not just for the game itself, which yeah. It, it's it's honestly for me, it's it's fantastic. I, I love it. Um, you know, I don't think me becoming a Patriots fan is the reason why I fell in love with football. I think if I would have become a Browns fan or a Colts fan, wherever it might have been, I still would have loved the game for what it is. It just kind of helps that they win all the time. Yeah, it being a Browns fan has tested my faith in the past. I... You know, there's always a joke like you date a Browns fan, you're never gonna get cheated on. I, a year of college, watching the Browns in my friend's uh, dorm. And Cody Parkey missed a damn field goal that would have won the game. We went to overtime, lost on the first drive, and I'm walking up and down. I'm walking back to my apartment, and I'm talking to my girlfriend Julia, and I was like, I- I'm leaving the Browns. I don't know where the hell I'm going, but I'm done with them. And I slept on it all night, you know, thinking, what team am I going to go to? It's got to the point where I was like, it was so hard for me. And I'm like, well, I like these colors. I like this team's mascot. I was, I was like I was a five-year-old. I woke up in the morning, and I was like, ah, son of a bitch. Who do the Browns got next Sunday? And it was just like that. There's this famous YouTube video. He's ranting. It's, oh, you guys are terrible. You ruined my Sundays. You make life hell for me. And at the very end, he goes, ah, I'll see you next Sunday. And it's just, that's how it is as a Browns fan. And I, I'm hoping, hopefully it's coming to fruition. I want 
enjoy football the way you have the past what how long is it dynasty 19 years ish and you know the browns won seven games last year and i i was i could not be more happy you know now i look back at it and i love that freddie kitchens his famous saying whoop de hell we haven't done shit um i'm probably gonna make a t-shirt out of that listening so i'm trying to make t-shirts that are cheap that go to charity um they'll be all be coming out soon but I love the, we haven't done anything. That's the kind of mentality you need to start a dynasty. Not, oh, we went 7-8-1. and one. We're already there. It's exactly the type. And that, that's the Bill Belichick type. I mean, it, I, I will never forget this quote. It was right after the Super Bowl, not this last one, but the one before that. And they asked him, so, Bill... What do you feel like? He goes, well, we're six weeks behind in uh, scouting on our on our scouts. We need to we need to get buckled down starting tomorrow and get in and film work and doing uh, doing different things to get ready for the draft. And it's like that that's the type of guy that you want. He's a freaking grinder. He just yeah. won a damn Super Bowl. He ain't even going to celebrate for a day because he wants another one. It's like, good Lord. Like, I'm sitting there like, yep, well, I can't choose another team. Like, come on. Yeah, I actually – I've never actually mentioned this to you, but uh, on ESPN, if you go to their, like, docuseries episodes they have, uh, Believe Land, it's, a, like, a two-hour documentary, I think. The whole first hour is the ni- 80s and 90s Browns, and it goes – it they show Bill Belichick's book, his scouting book, and how it was the biggest in the NFL and never let anybody see it. And, the almost the whole documentary is basically about Belichick and how close he was to building a dynasty and our our freaking left Cleveland said no I we're going and they were so close to becoming that team you know they were like they were in the fifties and sixties the Browns were the best team in the NFL those both with those decades and then in the 80s they were right there four uh just terrible years people suffering like last second plays and then in the 90s bill belichick was so close and then in the middle of the season model says we're gonna move the team and then they were ass after that i don't it's stuff like that that you know robert Kraft would never do something like that he might get a little bit of um action at a massage parlor but He's gonna make your football team win if that's uh, if that counts for anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think a lot, of, a lot of that has been, you know, from day one, he's he's trusted Bill, and I I think for the front office of the Browns, they have to understand they have to trust Freddie Kitchens. I know that's difficult from the past, what what you've suffered through, and you just want to win, but. If you don't trust who you got in place, then why did you put him in place? And yep. and so for for me, that's why. Like I've always said this from from day one. You know, being able to start watching the Browns, it's like I feel like they've given up on so many different coaches way too early. And that, and like I said, I'm not saying that they were right, but you can't ever build anything with one season. You if, yeah. If, you're coming into it. That's like me telling you, okay, so we're going to look at you for your first year coming into this job. And whatever you do is going to determine 
whether when that one year comes up, if we're going to hire you back or not. It's a one-year contract. It's like that that makes no sense, especially in football where you have to build so much up. It's not just yeah. a one process. Then these one-year one processes might work in the NBA, but not in the NFL. It never has, never will. You show me a team that in one year flipped it from a losing team to a winning team to win a Super Bowl. Ah, no, it's never happened. No, you're right. Only only in the NBA does it work. And even at that, you have to go spend a lot of money. And And you have to have the greatest player to ever play. Yeah. LeBron James. Not Martin. If if we disagree on that, that's an argument for another time. No, I don't. I don't. Dis, I don't disagree with that at all. But yeah, do we could have a totally another. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, that's and so I. I feel like when I've watched that, and I feel kind of a comparison to the Browns. Another team is like the Colts. Like you have something there. Please keep building on it. Yeah, Not yeah. that I'm a Colts fan at all. I can't stand the Colts. There's a whole ordeal with that we're not going to get into. Um, but just the whole deal, like, you have Andrew freaking Luck. I For his first couple of years, I could not understand why the Colts never put an offensive line in front of him until last year. It's like you have a piece to build upon, the same thing like with the Browns, with Baker now. Build around it. Make sure that you keep these guys standing up because if you don't have a quarterback and you haven't had a quarterback for a really, really long time that was worth a damn, keep him standing up, keep him on his two feet, and let him freaking sling the football because that's what he is. He's a gunslinger. Yep. He's he's a very good player. As much as I don't like the Colts, he's a very good player. Well, I was talking about Baker at that point in time, but yeah. I must have zoned out for a second. My hey, apologies. Hey. Baker is a gunslinger. I thought we were still talking about Andrew Luck, who, uh, you know, it. The Colts, uh, they do have a great line, and they do. I'm gonna talk about the Colts just for literally one second. People, they do have a great building block, but what people are failing to forget is they don't have a playmaker, which could come back to hurt them, as it did in the playoffs. Um, yeah, Baker. Definitely, I'm gunslinger is the best word to describe him. I've never seen a player just let it rip, for good or for for good or for bad. Uh, and I've never seen a player bounce back as well as him. Three interceptions against the Texans. The second half, he came out and had three touchdowns, no picks. Like he just has no I, memory, which is a great thing in the NFL. I've watched the guy do that. There, there's been a player in the NFL that I've watched do that. Tom Brady? No, no, not Tom Brady. Tom Brady don't throw interceptions. That's not in his. Oh team. my god! <laughs> Come on, man! You said that, that. that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, I don't know. He's uh, Brett Favre. Oh yeah, that's true. That's, I, I, they're very, very similar. I will say this. They're similar in so many ways, but I do want to make people realize this. Brett Favre had a cannon, but I'll be damned if I don't think my quarterback has the best arm in the NFL. He might not be able to throw it the very farthest, but and you know this, Tom Brady doesn't throw with extreme velocity or anything anymore. And I don't know how often you watch the Browns, but I watched a lot of NFL games last year. 
And between Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, I didn't see a ball passed harder, uh, a, t- a tighter spiral, and farther than those two. Now, obviously, Josh Allen can chuck the ball a thousand miles, but he doesn't yep. have all of it together. But no. I think personally, Baker and Patrick Mahomes collectively in, in what I call the arm have two of the best arms in the NFL. Well, I I would say this too. Um, don't forget about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has one hell of an arm. He does. And My only only thing with him is when are the collarbones going to finally say, "Holy shit, we've broken three times now." What? <laughs> Well, that's my only that's my only fear with him and with the age and not everyone's Tom Brady. You're right. He's I mean, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life would be the best quarterback of our generation if it wasn't for Tom Brady. Yeah. And I, I hate this. I hate this talk when people would tell me that Peyton Manning is better than Tom Brady. I will fight you because he's not. Um, but that's, Peyton that's Manning. Uh, yeah. But I've been told multiple, that, multiple oh. times. Yeah. No. Uh, Tom Brady like is the fifth best quarterback of this generation, let alone better than Tom Brady. Um, yeah, talking about Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I think the collarbones, they're on their last leg. I think he can blame Green Bay for not putting a freaking offensive line and a team around him when he needed it. And he's just now getting pieces in place to build a team, and they're, it's way too late. And I know that people are going to argue with that and tell me, Oh, no, he, Aaron's still got it. No, Aaron's – let's be honest, Aaron's scared. He's taken so many big hits, and he's been out of so many oh, yeah. games in the last three seasons. I went, I guess I wouldn't say scared, but he, he definitely knows that he's one, he's one more hit away from being done. Now, another guy that I would say that has a big arm, he, we were just talking about him, Andrew Luck. And he's bounced back from his injury, and he can still throw the ball really well. Um, I, I wouldn't yeah, I put don't know him – yeah, I don't either. I, I he's he's phenomenal, um, and I don't like saying that because I, I do not stand the Colts from the whole freaking deflate gate thing. Oh God, but I don't put him in the same category as I do a Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes because I don't feel when he steps outside the pocket, he presents the same type of oh shitness for the defense as a baker mayfield and a patrick mahomes it's the same thing with russell but russell doesn't have the arm like they do but i will say russell wilson has a really 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 great arm he's really yeah. accurate no but yeah. he doesn't yeah. have a deep ball like a baker mayfield and a patrick mahomes does patrick mahomes can just throw freaking dimes and so can baker yeah i i completely agree Russell Wilson is my best quarterback in the NFL right now. That that's my he's on my top pantheon. Um, and he on quite honestly, no offense to Tom Brady, has been for the past three years. Uh, Tom Brady is the best winner in the NFL, best compete. But Russell Wilson, I I've seen him make one bad play in my life, and it was actually this past season. It was at the end of the half. They could have got three points, but instead he threw it away. He threw an interception um, right before halftime, and it was just the weirdest play ever. He like almost threw it backwards at at a defensive lineman. But like other than that, Russell Wilson, can you? I can't. I just always try to picture what would Russell Wilson be if he was a coach. Because Pete Carroll doesn't even touch the offense. Like if he was in a Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, 
a Bill Belichick offense where, you know, we're going to let you throw the ball and not make you run it 100 times a game. I, but, but yeah, those they all have – those top guys all have that oh shit arm. And crazy to think that the Browns are beginning to have that guy. It's almost scary to think. Right. I And I know – uh, kind of talking about that. So, do you feel this season they'll change that with uh, DK? See, so um, I got into the draft pretty hard this year, and I only had DK Meg, my fifth or sixth best receiver. I think AJ Brown, which I said this on my last podcast, out of Ole Miss, was his teammate was the best player wide receiver. I think. DK, though, went to the best situation. Um, They run play action so much, and the only thing he's going to be able to do in the NFL is run deep routes. His his three-cone time was comparable to Tom Brady's. I don't know if you knew that. His agility drill time was comparable to Tom Brady's. Yeah. So people want to compare DK to Julio Jones, Randy Moss, because they're both tall and the receivers. Julio Jones' three-cone time was almost a second shorter. I mean, that's, that's otherworldly. And I forgot to mention Julio on my top wide receivers earlier. No respect, Julio. I mean, no disrespect, Julio. I'm sorry. You are definitely one of the best, if not the. But I think DK Metcalf, I don't know that they'll make him throw it more, but I think that he went to the only situation where he will be able to thrive because I don't think he'll be able to run anything but a straight go route, in my opinion. DK, prove me wrong. I know you're not wrong, um, and I'll gladly, I'll gladly say I'm sorry. I want people to do well. I don't want people to not do well. Right. Well, and I kind of felt the same way. I had people telling me that I, I really respect when it comes to football knowledge, telling me that the Patriots were crazy for taking Keneal Harry uh, above uh, Metcalf, and I, I honestly felt I was like. I don't see where Metcalf, what what he would do. He to me the example I gave was he would have been a Cordell Patterson for us, and yeah. Cordell yep. didn't do anything yeah. last year that was big time, and so I, and not to get back to the Patriots, but talking about Harry, I love the pick because he's a physical guy, adds that extra little, you know, little bump and shove. To when they're going up for a ball, he uh, was the top in the whole NCAA Division One for passes that were 50-50 balls. He won the most, which is unbelievable. Yeah, and his size, his strength—he's not a big route runner. I don't know where you had him on your board as of wide receivers, but I had a second. I felt like for what he was, he was deep perfect fit and going long-term wise with Brady is going to be awesome. But yeah, going back to talking about the quarterbacks, because I'd like to go a little bit more on that. I know we're probably getting close on your time here. I don't know what it, what that is for you, but uh, yeah, we like, got about four minutes, three minutes. Sorry. But whatever we don't get in today, I seriously, I mean, we can do unlimited amount of episodes. Okay, well, I want to touch on this real quick then. What yeah. do you think of Kyler Murray? I feel like we're going to disagree on this part. 
I think Kyler Murray is going to be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. I see people compare him to Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. You know, Russell Wilson because he's short. Patrick Mahomes because they're both uh, energetic. I see Kyler Murray, and I'm like, what the hell? I see, I see like 17 different quarterbacks. I see other than the height, which I really don't give a damn about. My quarterback is six foot. Oh. He's not nearly as athletic as Kyle Murray. I see the fastest quarterback I've ever watched in my own eyes. He's faster than Vic. I I mean, I watched both of them. Kyle Murray's way faster, way more agility than Vic. I see, when I watch, I watched almost every Oklahoma game last year because I'm not a huge Ohio State fan, so I just like to watch every game that I can in college football. Kyler Murray is one of the most, I don't know how to say, he, he's one of the, he passes with so much ease. There's a specific play. It was about a 40-yard touchdown. He literally looked like he flicked his wrist, and it just dropped right into just dropped right into the pocket of the tight end. And I'm sitting there thinking, this dude's six inches shorter than me almost. Uh, I've got only like 10 pounds on him, but I can barely throw a football 25 yards on a tight spiral. And Kyler Murray just, I think right now, uh, after he plays his first snap, I'll grant this, I think at once he plays his first snap, Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes will be the two strongest, uh, fastest arms. And I love Kyler Murray. The Cardinals did everything. You got your quarterback, but if you're running a franchise the right way, you need to recognize that you fucked up and got Josh Rosen when Kyler Murray was going to be available next year. And you, you deal with it. You take your losses. With Josh Rosen's pick, you got Kyler Murray and Andy Isabella. And Andy Isabella was like fourth on my board. And I have him, like, he's better than a fourth when he Kyler Murray in the sense that Marquise Brown and Andy Isabella are. I know people wanted to compare Isabella to, like, Edelman and stuff. Isabella yeah. was the fastest wide receiver in this class. And Kyler Murray running around in the back, uh, in the pocket, creating time. That's what Marquise Brown was able to create separation because these guys are faster. So, you know, Andy Isabella runs a route that ends him on the right sideline. But Kyler Murray breaks off left in the pocket, and he's running to the left of the sideline. Andy Isabella can run across the field with that speed and meet him there. And if they can get this chemistry, I I love Kyler Never watched a quarterback that I've just sat in my eye. I, I love Kyler Murray. Sorry, I went on a little rant there. No, no, you're good. Um, I, I, want, I will say this. I like all the talent there. Let me come back and talk to you when he takes his first big hit. That's what I, I want to see. I want to see how he gets up from the hit. Because what he did in college isn't the same as the NFL. And the division that he plays in, He's if they don't have a good offensive line, that dude is going to get smacked around, and it worries me. Yeah, I I feel like line is crazy. Uh, San Francisco is building a team, and uh, listening to your podcast from before, I'm a diehard Jimmy G fan. I think he's going to be one of the best that we've ever seen. Huh? Huh? And huh. I, and I say that, and hear me out on this. 
I've like I told you, I've been watching the Patriots since 2000. I've saw quarterbacks come through the Patriots. I've I watched Matt Castle, who ended up going to Kansas City the next year, win 11 games in the Patriots and totally fall apart for Kansas City. Jimmy G is nothing like any other quarterback that has played for the Patriots. He did things with the offense that no other backup had ever been able to do. I'm telling you, I fully believe in him. I could be completely wrong, but I am drinking the Jimmy G juice, man. He, I, I was on the bandwagon. I've told, like I said earlier in this podcast, I'm a big diehard Tom Brady fan. I was drinking the Jimmy G juice so hard. I was getting ready to throw out the Tom Brady Jersey and buy me a number 10. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember what episode I talked about Jimmy G, but I, Guarantee I said overpaid, didn't play enough, because I am not sold on Jimmy G. I don't think he played nearly enough. And I think you're underselling um, Brian Hoyer, the best Patriot quarterback ever. <laughs> he, he, he's, a, he's a good backup, and I can go in. If we, if we do another podcast, I have a killer Brian Hoyer story that I heard, and it is it's freaking amazing. Um, and I know we're getting close to the time here. We're probably over it now. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a diehard Jimmy G fan. I think with Kyle Shanahan and that West Coast offense, if he can stay upright and stay healthy, San Francisco is going to be a team. But they need to put pieces around him, too. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I seriously, like, I'm just sitting here just smiling because I'm like, all right, I found someone, that found some another person that I can just sit here and talk the ins and outs of football with. And Isaac, I am not just saying this. Like when people, it's I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show Friends, where Chandler says, "All right, that was fun. I sh- that, it's great. I'll call you again. Uh, I'll call you back. We'll do it again sometime." That line, I legitimately, and I think my viewers would understand as well. And you know, obviously, we're not going to go this long every time. But every time I have someone new on, you know, it's going to go a little longer than we thought. But yeah, if you'll come back on, I think the listeners and I know myself would love to just have you on and we can uh this this one Isaac and I just kind of I told, told him I was going to send him stuff that we could talk about. And he messaged me about 2 hours uh, 2 hours before the podcast said, "Uh, hey dumbass, you forgot to send the stuff." I was like <laughs> thought you know, we knew each other. We just uh kind of have like a conversation and that's how this one was and it went it went great. Um but yeah, I'll have you come back on, uh, and we can have you know specific things we'll talk about. You know, we'll break down quarterbacks, then we'll break down other spots on the Browns and the Patriots, and on yeah, all that fun jazz. Yeah, that's that's something you love. Oh, I'm open to that, and you know, like we were talking before before we came on here, uh, I, I'm open to talk all three of the major sports. Um, you know, your fans might not want to listen to any Cincinnati Reds talk, but I'll freaking talk it all day long because I'm I'm a lot more excited about my team. And then obviously I'm uh we had talked, I'm a Cavaliers fan, though that team's not really much to talk about, but we can we can talk. <laughs> I mean, it ain't too much of exciting talk about them, but I'll talk I'll talk to Cavaliers. Um and yeah, football, it don't matter what it is, uh it can be any team. I'll, I'll talk about them. I, 
like I was telling you before, I kind of watched some Browns games. I didn't watch a lot, but I watched a couple last year. I really liked what they were doing, and, you know, I'll watch some this year, definitely. If they're not playing the same time as the Patriots or if the Patriots are in a game where either they're losing big or they're winning big, I'll, I'll flip it over. happens a lot when they lose big. No, I'm just kidding. Well, when they do lose, it seems like the last couple of years they do lose big. You're right about that. If, but, if you're uh, going to lose, you might as well do it big so people can go enjoy the rest of their Sunday. It's just courteous. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I think everybody would drink to a Patriots loss besides myself and people in Boston. Yeah, I don't understand the hate of the Patriots. I don't understand how you hate a franchise that's done everything the right way, but that's just me. I, I mean, it's the same thing with the Spurs, though. If you yeah, you know, yeah. correlate it, and I think, I think in the next couple of years you're probably going to get the hate for the Astros as well when you correlate it to baseball, because Astros. Yeah, and they've done way. They've done right way. I mean, they've signed a couple guys like Michael Brantley, but I mean Altuve and Carrera are two of the best players in baseball, in my opinion. Um, they're not Bryce Harper, big name, five hundred whatever the contract was. I think it was only three hundred million, but. uh I think Altuve and Carrera are up there. You know, they're yeah. they're legitimate superstars, once in lifetime players. And they got that Georgia Springer too that plays in the outfield. He's really good. Yeah, and he is. Would, come on, huge. Who would have ever thought that Detroit Tigers would let go of Verlander and he would have this fountain of freaking youth and figure yeah. out he doesn't have to. Yeah, he's doing TB twelve, dude. He's he joined the TV 12 wagon, apparently. Man. I mean, God. Ver- and, like, I I was never a big Detroit fan. And, you know, because they were on that kind of run there for a while. And yeah. I wasn't I wasn't totally into that. But I was rooting for Verlander because I, I felt like that was a dirty way that he was going to go out of the game. You know, it just seemed like he lost everything. And then yeah. – he has this resurgence. I'm like, holy crap. Like, what did Houston figure out with him? But when I start watching the games, it he doesn't rely on his fastball anymore, and he uses all the other stuff that was still really good. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic pitcher. And I I hated those Lions teams because I'm an Indians fan, but M- Miguel Cabrera and those guys, they're just fantastic. But uh, – um. Isaac, real quick, I'm going to just talk, uh, say something about my T-shirts. And then, uh, but, yeah, guys, I know I said this at the beginning of the episode, but if you're still listening, once we get to 800 followers, one of the T-shirts I'm designing will be given away to one I gave away. And we're going to be doing a Denzel Ward shirt. We're going to be doing a Miles shirt for sure. And then I'm just trying to come up with a player. have any, send them in. But I want to thank you again, Isaac, for coming in. Uh, uh, to hear back from you. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'll uh, I'll pretty much put it put it to you this way. I and mean, anytime you want to have me on, I'm I'm willing to do it. You know, as long as we, both of our schedules can work out. And yeah, like I said, I'm willing to talk anything sports related. You know, when it comes to the three major ones, I don't know much golf and hockey, but yeah, baseball, basketball, football, I'll talk it all day long with you, man.